As we continue our study in the book of Romans, we come to Romans chapter 15, beginning in, in verse 18. Here Paul, in verse 18, says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient. In mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. For this reason... I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, no longer having a place in these parts and having a a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. We, we look at a, a section of, of Scripture here in these verses, verses 18 through 24, may, may at, at first glance just appear to be, okay, here's a, a, a way to, to conclude the letter, tell you I, I really want to go and, and see you, and, and, and I look forward to it. Hopefully on my way to Spain, I'm able to go by and, and see you and spend some time with you. But what we find here is something much more than that. We need to, we need to remember who it is that's, that's writing this. It's the Apostle Paul. You think of his background. And you think of who it was that was converted. Somebody who was a Pharisee. Tells us in Acts 26 and verse 5. They, they knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. He, he was one in, in whom he tells us con, concerning zeal, I, I persecuted the church. Um, concerning zeal, as far as as a Pharisee, as a Jew, I, I, I was so zealous that I did everything I could to to persecute the church. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, I was blameless. But the things which were gained to me, these I've counted for loss. And he goes on. Yes, indeed, I, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. You look and you, and you think of his conversion. You think of how he was in, um, there in, 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 in on that, that road to Damascus. He tells us that, that he was chasing down Christians even to like foreign cities, chasing them down to persecute them, to imprison them. And it was there that on that road, he saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around him and those who journeyed with him. And when he had fallen to the ground, he heard the voice speaking to him and saying in the, in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so, and so Paul said, who, who are you, Lord? And God said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. 
But rise, stand on your feet, for I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will reveal to you. I'll deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so God just appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me? I'm Jesus. And says, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. He goes from there to to a life of, of living fully and completely for the Lord and for the sake of the gospel. As we look at our text, we see his heart. We see his drive that just encompasses everything about him. We, we may look around the room and, and see people that are very driven. Um, you may look at, at some of, of your kids and see them as, as very driven, just driven. They, they, they're, they're passionate about getting it and finishing it. Jonathan... Um, Jonathan is very driven, our little six-year-old. Remember, he, he, he entered into to, to Taekwondo when he had just turned four and couldn't hop on one leg. They had this exercise where they're supposed to hop on one leg across and couldn't do it. And you could tell like he was so frustrated, he wanted to do it. So being the, the good dad that I am, tried to teach him to hop on one leg, and he struggled, he kept falling. So I just took, I just taped his leg up to his leg and just made it so he had to, like, hop on one leg. And Tasha thought it was cruel, and most of you probably do too. But our little boy can hop on one leg at this particular point. And he, he just, he won't stop till he gets something. You get to see it in him, like, he just, he just, he will not stop. And, and I, I think of, of, of just people who I know well who are just driven. Everything about you is just, okay, you, you fix your eyes on something and it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. And it, it may be um, things that are incredibly godly and it, and it may be things that, that are just hobbies, collecting things, um, work, whatever it is that you are a part of, things that, that consume people, games, sports, learning everything about baseball, learning everything about your favorite team, and it just consumes you. You, you think about it all the time. You're just driven to like, okay, I want to learn this, I'm going to learn this, I'm, and, and you're just driven to do it. I think it's, it's good to be able to, to have a mind that's like that, that just says, oh, I want to do well at what I do. We kind of, in the Otsuji family, that's, that's how things were, were done 
frequently. It was just, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it well. I mean, that's my dad. See here? Yeah. <laughs> I remember being like kindergarten. And my dad played some soccer, but, but not, not as much as baseball and football. And, and soccer at that particular time was still a communist sport. And... and Still may be to some of you today, but it is the biggest sport in the world. And so I remember him saying, Dad, I want to I play soccer. And he's just saying, like, what about baseball? What about, you know, some of these other sports? No, I want to I I play soccer. And him going to us as just kindergartners and just saying, or to me at least, and, and saying, like, to my brother and I, okay, well, you're going to pick one sport. So pick one sport and be really good at it. Yeah, it's a good time for kindergarten and make that decision that's going to affect the rest of their life. <laughs> but I, I think in, in, in his wisdom, he knew that genetically I, I was probably not going to be like an NBA basketball player. Um, and, and soccer seemed like a good one. But we just, it was all in. I mean, all in. Practicing triple days, five days a week games on the weekends, it just, my parents were nuts, and so you look, and, and <laughs> this is what we did, I mean, it was just all in, and I, I look, and, and I, I think there's, there's certain disciplines like that that are good, but it's critical that we look at our lives, and we look at what is it that consumes us, what is it that drives us, what is it that our aim is towards And looking at it and saying, is this most to the glory of God? Making decisions like that. What is is most to the glory of God? Paul here in this section, you, you, you just hear his heart on these things. He's talking about his life and he's talking about what he's doing next and just says... I I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed. I, I don't... I don't even want to talk about anything that God is not doing through me. I only, want to talk, I only want to talk about the things that God's doing through me. What is it that he does through me? It goes from there and, and he says, what Christ has accomplished in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. These people that God had appeared to him and said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And, and Paul's coming back to saying, like, he saved me, and it was through the power of the Spirit of God that, that he worked through me to preach the gospel from Jerusalem to that area that is now Albania. I just, I went and I preached the gospel. I mean, you're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles going up all the way to that area that is now Albania. I fully preached the gospel of Christ. And he goes from there and he says, and so I've made it my aim to preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. I made it my aim. My aim was to preach the gospel. Not only just to, to preach the gospel, but, but I made it my aim to preach the gospel where, where Christ 
was not named. Going to areas where they didn't, they had no idea who he was. They didn't know his name. They didn't know about Christianity. Going to what we would refer today as unreached people groups or or frontier missions where you're going to those unreached people groups and going to places where they've never heard the gospel. And he says, I've made it my aim to go there. And I look and I, I, I think for us as a church, evaluating our lives and saying, what is it that God has called us to? Both individually and as a church. Looking at it and saying, what is it that, that I'm driven towards? I, I've been blessed just to be able to, to hear the hearts of, of, of different people here at the church. Um, some with just incredible hearts towards missions. Where they've come and, and, and I, I think just in the last couple months. Um, meeting with, with Maddie Hurst as far as having a graduated from college, has a heart towards missions. What can I do in missions? Others that that are here where they're coming to a place of retirement and they're looking at it going, how am I going to use this time now most to God's glory? Is it in missions? Is it in doing missions and maybe some relief work or going and building someplace? Looking at their lives and saying, my kids have grown up now and maybe I can go in this direction and go and serve in this place. Hearing people with with just hearts to how can I glorify God most. I love that, that that single-mindedness as far as how can I use the time that I have most to God's glory. And you hear that within the Apostle Paul. I've made it my aim. I've made it my aim to preach the gospel. My target, my passion, it is to preach the gospel where Christ is, is not yet named. You see where he, he says in, in Philippians, I, I count everything in my life as loss in comparison to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. And I count like everything that I have built up in this world, my reputation, being a Pharisee, all that I had done, rising up within that that community to have such a high status, I count it as just trash. I count it as rubbish in comparison to the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. To be found in him. See, there, there's something that affected the apostle Paul. He got saved. He, here he was going about his life and going in a direction that was totally opposite of Christ. Persecuting the church. Throwing Christians in, in jail. Watching them being put to death. Encouraging it towards that end. Doing whatever he could. Chasing them down in cities. And God just stops him. Just stops him. It takes him from that particular place to, now this is what I'm calling you to. You're going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And every one of us here as believers, you were going about your life. You were going and doing all that you were doing, driven in all the areas that you were driven in. And at some point, if you're a believer here this morning, God stopped you. 
He took you from the miry pit in which you were in, and he caused your eyes to be open. He changed your heart radically. The Holy Spirit entered into you. You became a new creation in Christ, and you are, as Paul says here, you are found in him. Not having your own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Something happened in in your life where God has regenerated you and you are now found in him and you have his righteousness. Your sins are removed and you are totally different. And so you look at this and Paul's just saying, okay, this is what God did in my life. I was going totally opposite of him. He saved me. I'm found in him. He's given me his righteousness. The knowledge of him is just absolutely excellent to where everything else is rubbish. And now I am just driven. My aim is to preach the gospel. My aim is to tell other people about Christ. You hear him say things like in in Acts 20, verse 22, where he says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. The, The Holy Spirit has bound me to go to Jerusalem. And I don't know what's going to happen to me there. Only that the Spirit has testified that chains and tribulations await me. I'm going to Jerusalem. I have no idea what's going to happen. Only that the Holy Spirit has testified to me that chains and tribulations await me. But then he goes, but none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. So that I might finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I'm going to Jerusalem, don't know what's going to happen, only I know I'm going to get thrown in prison. And I'm going to be going through just incredible tribulations. It doesn't move me though. It doesn't move me. It doesn't move me to know that when I get there, this is what's going to happen to me. Because I don't count my life dear to myself. I want to finish my race with joy. You you, you hear the contrast there. It's like, I'm going to get thrashed in Jerusalem. But I don't count my life dear to myself because I want to finish with joy. See, in his mind to just stop and say, nah, I'm not going there. They're they're going to throw me in prison. I mean, God's Holy Spirit has testified. I'm, I'm, I'm thrown in prison and I'm going to go through incredible tribulation. So I'm... I'm going to go play golf instead someplace else. I'm going to, I'm going to just go watch them play sand volleyball. I'm, I'm going to go watch them. What else do you do in the desert? You, well, I, I'm going to probably watch soccer. I was, I was probably around then. But you look, and, and I'm going to go do something else. He says, no, I'm, I'm, it doesn't move me because I want to finish with joy. And the only way that I can finish with joy is to keep my aim on the gospel. The ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To tell people the gospel. We we talk about the gospel weekly here at Reverence. We talk about grace weekly here at Reverence. We talk about 
our sins being removed and Christ's righteousness being placed upon us. We talk about how it, it all comes by faith and by faith alone. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift of God we, that, that he holds us in his hand and his Father is great and all holds us in his hand. There's no one that can snatch us away and that he's the author and, and, and finisher of our faith and, and he is the one who has saved us and the glorious gospel that it's all him. And, and part of the reason why is because I and you, we need to hear it that we might love the gospel. That we might look at Christianity and look at what the gospel message is and just say that is the best news that anybody could ever hear. That is not dependent upon my own works or my own doing or whether I fulfilled enough good in my life. But it is all based upon the son of God who became man and died on the cross for our sins and gave us his righteousness. And whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life to where it just causes our hearts to love the gospel. I could think of times being in places like Africa and, and preaching the gospel to just huge congregations of people. I mean, just there. I mean, sometimes 10,000 people that are just there out in the bush. And you, could just, you can't even see their faces sometimes. You can just see their eyes because it's just so dark out there. And, and, and the faces that you do see, you just see like them just light up as you're telling them the gospel. And just to think God is saving some of them right now. There's something just incredible about preaching the gospel. Something incredible about telling people and knowing that it's not based upon whether I said everything perfectly. It's not based upon whether I said, you know, like, he can make you as white as snow, and they're all snow. What meanest thou? I mean, they've never seen snow. And you, you might say something like that in Africa and think, oh, man, I just blew the whole thing, you know? Like, why does snow? How dumb am I? I should have said, why does, you know, my wife? Like, I, I... Just kidding. I'm in, I'm in so much trouble. But you, you look and... It's the whitest thing I saw in this front row. But... <laughs> but you look and, and you, you just... You think it's, it's God that's doing the work. It's God, that's, it's God that's saving them. It's God that opens their ears and opens their eyes and the Holy Spirit that works in their heart and the power of the word of God that goes forward and to see the people come to a knowledge of their Savior through the proclamation of the word and it's the Holy Spirit doing that. It's just incredible to, to be a part of the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you are able to go or whether you are the one that is sending out. To be able to know, like, God accomplishes his purposes through the proclamation of the gospel. Several years ago, my brother Jeff um, got on the the board for Far East Broadcasting. And I had heard of Far East Broadcasting because it's an organization that, that has radio programs in different parts of the world and, and, and shares the gospel message and different sermons just in all different parts of the world, especially closed countries. But I had never visited anybody from Far East Broadcasting. I had never been on a trip with them. I had never done anything. I had just heard about it in, in reading and reading different stories. But it was just incredible. Like my brother's there serving and serving on the board and helping with the direction of the, the organization and going to Vietnam, and I'm there with these like 35 pastors that I've been spending a week with just teaching. And 
towards the end of the week, I just said, like, can you just tell me how you got saved? Here are these pastors. They've been in prison over and over again. They're part of the underground church. They live in a communist country. How did you get saved? How is it that you got saved? And I would say probably 25 to 28 of them. Just like, um, I, I heard the gospel on Far East Broadcasting's radio channel. And I, I came home like, dude, everybody there. I mean, there are people getting saved left and right from just listening to the radio. And you look and you just think, it's the power of God to take someone who, who doesn't know Christ. He has not been named in that area. And they hear the gospel and then the Holy Spirit just radically transforms them. And it's God that accomplishes it. To be a part of the sending, to be a part of the work of, of, of bringing Bibles into different parts of the world or supporting organizations that get the Bible out. Ministries like, like Blue Letter Bible, who so many of the people who are a part of that organization go to our church. And I mean, the gospel going to all countries through an internet Bible study tool. And you look and you just think, the faithfulness of God to do these things. Paul loved the proclamation of the gospel. He desired so much for the lost to hear the gospel. You remember in Romans 9 where he says, I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. I would, I'd give up my salvation if it was possible so that they could be saved. I mean, just this heart that I want to proclaim the gospel. So in our text here this morning, we see that he does this by the power of the Spirit of God. And he says, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Romans 10, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Our aim as a church, how do we proclaim the gospel? How do we proclaim the gospel here and in, to the uttermost parts of the world? There's a radical shift that has taken place as far as the gospel going forward, because you don't even need to go to the uttermost parts of the world anymore to reach people of all tongues and all languages. They're here. They're your neighbors. They're here. They're, they're at Irvine Spectrum. They're at the grocery store. People from all different regions. You, you go to Irvine Spectrum late, later in the evening, and you'll you won't know which country you're in if you were to not realize that, you know, you're in Irvine. There's people from all over the place there. And there are opportunities after opportunities to proclaim the gospel to all people, to all nations here, as well as going even to the uttermost parts of the world. I've made it my aim to preach the gospel Turn with me for a moment to Psalm 96. Let 
Listen to the heart of the psalmist as we just look at a psalm that, in my mind, encompasses the proclamation of the gospel in missions. In Psalm 96, in verse 1, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Starts with sing to him. Sing to him. Sing to him. See, there's, there's something that happens in our hearts where we, we understand our depravity and we understand what it is that God has saved us from and how it is that he has saved us and what it is that's in the future for us, what we deserved and what it is that we are getting by grace. When we understand God's word and look at it, the more that we understand it, the more it encourages in our hearts just singing unto him. We are very intentional here at Reverence. You may wonder, I don't go to that many other churches because most of the time I'm here on Sunday morning. But from what I understand and from what I remember growing up is that there's a lot of times where you have the sermon and then they close, they do with one song at the end. As they do the one song, everybody who's walking out and it's like the one song as people leave. But we, we do three songs at the end. And the reason why is because after studying God's word and just beholding him and seeing him, there should be something in our hearts that just, I just want to, I want to worship him now with all that is within me. I want to praise him. I, I don't want it to end. You want it just to keep going. You want to just continue to praise him. And so he be, the psalm begins by sing to the Lord a new song. Sing, because I don't think that you could proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day unless it starts with a heart that is just full of praise to him. Does that make sense? You're not going to go out and say, behold your God, this is who he is. Here's the good news, unless first in your heart, it's just, I just, I love him with the entirety of my being. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. Tell them about who he is. Tell them about what it is that he's accomplished. Tell them about how it is that he saved you. Tell them about what he did when he created everything. Tell them about what he did when he separated the Red Sea, when he let his people go, his faithfulness, the promises that were given all throughout the Old Testament and how it leads to Christ who was to come. Tell him, tell them. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. You look at that and it's just so politically incorrect to ever say something like that. Like who are we to ever say that Christianity is better than other religions and all roads lead to, to heaven? And No, that's not what it says here. It says so clearly, for the Lord is great and he's greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord, he's the one that made the heavens. He made everything. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Bring an offering and come into the courts. 
Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. I mean, I look at this and this is like, mm, missions, this is it. To be able to go and, and to be able to say, okay, we're the families of the peoples and we're going to give the Lord glory and strength, the glory that is due his name. To be able to go and say, behold your God, this is who he is, this is what he's done, this is how he has saved us, and here is the gospel message. I, mean, I, I can just, I can think so cl- vividly of being in, in South Sudan and being there and seeing people that are just starving to death, dying everywhere. I mean, just everywhere. It, it was horrible, 1998. And being there and just thinking, I just... More than anything, I just want a, a microphone and a loudspeaker just to be able to proclaim the gospel. And, and it was just a short time after there that we came back and we had a microphone and loudspeaker and we're feeding the people and proclaiming the gospel and showing the Jesus film and just radical to be able to see, to be able to say this is who God is. To be able to, to, to see a, a people who had just been attacked brutally in Mario Bay there in, in South Sudan and just attacked brutally. All their huts were burned. All their cooking utensils were stolen. The dead bodies were thrown into the wells to poison the water system. I mean, just brutal. And being there and seeing the church come out singing, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And being under a huge tree with them and hearing them say, They can, they can, they could kill us. They could burn our houses. They could take our cooking utensils. They could poison our water system. But they can't take Christ. We were worshiping trees before. Now we know the living God. And it just, you could just, I mean, just incredible theology that's there within them to say, like, we would give it all up for the sake of knowing Christ our Savior and just seeing the joy that is in them and, and to be able to go and say, this is who he is. Give glory that is due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. What a need there is to proclaim the gospel. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Say among the nations, he is all-powerful, he is sovereign, he reigns. The world also is firmly established, it shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. There's going to be judgment. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees and the woods rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. And you just hear in this, in this psalm just the gospel going forward. Claim it. Say to the nations, the Lord reigns. Things have changed so radically in, in our world. Um, in the year 1900, in Europe, 70% of, of Europe was professing Christians in 1900. 100 years later, it was 30%. Um, Latin America and Africa had grown to, to over 40%. Africa had 10 million Christians in 1900. By 2000, there was 360 million. 
number of practicing Christians in China is about the same as what it is here in the United States now. In reading a book, it said, last Sunday, more Christians, believers, attended church in China than in all of Christian Europe, so-called Christian Europe. Radical when you start looking at it. There's about 16,300 different ethno-linguistic peoples, 16,300. And there's still over 6,000 that are unreached. meaning less than 2% of them are Christians. The need for the gospel to go forward, the gospel going forward to, to all the earth. You see where he says to go not where Christ was named, lest I build on another man's foundation. And we look at that, and that's not the calling for everybody. You hear where 1 Corinthians 3, 6, where Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are, are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. There are those that plant and there's those that water. There's different callings that every one of us has. Paul's calling was to plant. Paul's calling was to go to unreached people groups. Paul's calling was to go to the uttermost parts of the world. And you just look and you, you, you think, what an awesome thing God did with the gospel. He gives the disciples the great commission saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples, disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, make disciples. Preach the gospel. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. I look, at, I look at the Great Commission and look and just say, it is critical that we make disciples here. It's critical that we know the Bible. It's critical that we go through and we understand Scripture. We take this seriously to understand what is it that God says. Because God says, go to all the nations and make disciples and teach them all that I have commanded you. Teach them. Spend time with them. Disciple them. Teach them all that I have commanded you. This is an incredible calling for us. A calling to go even to the end of the earth. You see it happening. In Acts 1.8 it says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You hear it over and over again in Scripture to the end of the earth. Genesis 12, 3, where, where speaking to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, and then he says at the end, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. The plan was that all of the families of the earth would be blessed. Look at the stars. See if you're able to know them. So shall your descendants be. Tells Abram, the covenant's with you. You're going to be the father of many nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful, and I'll make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. The plan from the very beginning was that nations would come from him. Isaiah 49, verse 6, where he says, I'll also give you 
as a light to the Gentiles, and you shall be my salvation to the ends of the earth, referring to Christ, to the ends of the earth. Romans 1.5, referring to the, for the obedience of the faith among the nations. Romans 16, by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for the obedience to the faith. That calling to go to the nations. You see at the, at the, in the very end in, in Revelation chapter 5 where there's this whole group of people that are together and they sing a new song and they say, you're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. From all the, I mean, just radical, this whole group in heaven, you've redeemed us from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. John says, I, I looked and behold, there was a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with branch, palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And we see this with Paul where he just says, I don't want to preach and build on another man's foundation. I, I just want to go and proclaim the gospel someplace where his name has never even been heard of. To proclaim the gospel. Not everybody's called to this, but I pray that there's some that are here this morning that would be called to that. To go to places where Christ is not yet named and to proclaim the gospel. He goes and he says, for it's written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. Even though Paul was given so clearly that vision there on the road to Damascus that he's going to go and proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, he says, but it also says there that he's going to be announced to those, and they shall see to those who have not heard, and they shall understand. But Paul says, but now I no longer, no longer having a place in these parts. What I've done in this area is done. It wasn't that the, the work of evangelism was completed in these areas. It was that Paul's looking at it saying, the church is established now. Now I'm going to go to Spain. I'm going. As we look at our text here this morning, he says, I've had a great desire these many years to come to you. I had this incredible desire to come see you guys there in Rome. But I couldn't. Why? He couldn't because there was just this incredible passion to proclaim the gospel where he was proclaiming the gospel. Even though he wanted to go to Rome, even though he wanted to go to visit him, there was something in him that was fixed upon this aim to proclaim the gospel in that particular region to those who had not yet heard the gospel that he's saying, I haven't been able to come. I wanted to come so badly, but there's this passion inside me that says, no, not now. I got to do this first. And I would encourage you to look and say, what is it that God's called you to? And be steadfast to know I am going to do this and I know God has called me to this and I don't want to go and go someplace else even though I really want to go there but everything inside me is fixed upon what it is that God has called me to do to where I want to do that first. I want to do that first. And then, and then I can go. So now he says, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey, to be helped on my way there by you, 
if first I may enjoy your company for a while. And notice, I'm coming, and I'm going to enjoy your company for a while, and then I'm going to Spain. He's not saying, and every one of you guys should come with me to Spain. See, there's some that are called to stay there. There's some are called to water. There's some that are called to be there and to minister there in the church in Rome. But Paul's saying, not me. I'm going to come, and I'm going to visit, and then I'm off to Spain. I'm going there. Look at this, and it's just, it is a man that is just driven. A man who looks, and at the end of his life, he's able to say, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith. A man that's just looking and saying, I just, I want to do what God's called me to do. I'm not going to be someone who just beats the air. I'm going to fix my eyes on the end, and I'm going to go towards that. Be driven in this life to do what God has called you to do and make that your aim. And if your aim is on something right now that is just totally worldly or totally useless, your aim's on something that is not most to the glory of God, if your aim is completely worldly, shift it. Hear the heart of Paul. I count it all rubbish in comparison to the excellence and the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Make your aim. What is it that is going to be most to the glory of God here in this life? For Paul, it was to go to preach where Christ was not yet named. And we see in this particular day Christians all over the world. There has been Paul and countless others that have just gone and said, going to Burma going to China, going to India, going to Indonesia. I'm going to, you know, New Guinea. I'm going wherever God calls me to go. I'm going, and we just see the gospel has gone all over the world, and yet there's so many places where it's yet to come. Make it your aim to either go, to send, to be a part of a church that sends, encouraging missionaries to go. Make it your aim to look at what it is that God has called you to, and then 100% towards that, that we might finish well. I love the heart of Paul in these sections. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for our text here this morning. Thank you for the heart of the Apostle Paul and what you did in him. He he doesn't want to speak of anything except for what you accomplished through him. May that be us as well. May you show us where our target is, what our aim is, what your calling is upon our lives. And may we run towards that. Even if we greatly want to do something else, may we not do that until we fulfilled the calling for which you have called us at this time. May our eyes be fixed upon you to finish this race well in which you have given us. If, if you've given us hearts that are just driven towards things, please make our target in alignment with yours. And if we are people who are not driven towards anything. 
may you convict our hearts and show us the glory of the gospel. Show us what it is that you have accomplished in us to take our sins away and to give us your righteousness and to make us adopted into your family, the very bride of Christ, an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and doesn't fade away. Help us to be able to see that you are our treasure, you are our inheritance, and there will be no need for the sun because you will be there shining in all your brilliance and we will enter into the joy of the Lord and have pleasures forevermore. And help us to see that and may it motivate us to be driven to serve for the purposes of your glory. Help us not to be a lukewarm people. Help us not to be those who have lost their first love. But may we be driven in such a way that you are greatly exalted as a result of our church and as a result of our lives individually. And we will not speak of anything apart from what you have accomplished. You will receive all the glory. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.